Good morning, Middle Earth, and welcome to Second Breakfast. Today, I'm answering a bunch of your questions, and I'm excited to do it. Some of those questions will be about my thoughts on the Lord of the Rings movies, now that I'm done covering them, and some of the questions will be about my predictions and expectations before reading The Hobbit. A reminder that we are at ground zero. Is that what they say? Again, with The Hobbit. I know nothing about The Hobbit except for at some point Bilbo gets a ring. That's all I know. So I'm excited to to go on this journey. We're going on an adventure, everyone, and it's going to be so fun. These questions came from a variety of sources. One of them was through social media. So if you're not following the podcast on social media, what the heck are you doing? Go do that now. It's on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. And some of these questions also came through Discord, which you can join for $3 a month by going going to patreon.com slash pod and becoming a $3 a month tier patron. That didn't sound right, but you know what I meant. The first question comes from Discord from Josh. Back when you had just finished the books before you started covering the movies, I asked if he felt like you had actually become a fan of the series or felt like a part of the Lord of the Rings community, or if your experience doing the podcast felt more like commenting on the story from simply an outside perspective. If I remember correctly, you said that although you had learned to appreciate the way Tolkien crafted language as a writer, you wouldn't have considered yourself a fan of the story necessarily, and that covering the works was more objective commentary than anything. I'm curious if any of that has changed at all for you over the past few months as you watched and rewatched the movies. Great question, Josh. Uh, still don't really know how to answer it because I feel all the time like I don't know if I'm actually a fan of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien or if I just consume it a lot. Am I actually, am I a fan of it or do I just talk about it for two hours a week? (laughs) Uh, more than two hours sometimes. And I don't know, I'm thinking hopefully I'll be able to tell kind of once I've distanced myself a bit from Lord of the Rings if I genuinely really liked it all, or was I just completely swept up in the excitement of covering it for the podcast? Because the podcast is really what's made all of this really fun and enjoyable. Reading Lord of the Rings wouldn't have, it would have been god awful. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Had I not been talking about it once a week with cool people. And then kind of more recently, I'm a lot more hesitant to dive into the fandom side of Lord of the Rings because of things that happened on Instagram, unfortunately, where not that I didn't know, that there was a toxic side of the fandom, but it's a totally different thing when that's being shoved in your face. And so now I'm a little bit more hesitant to dive into the fandom and I'm kind of just happy to hang out on my corner of the internet where I'm making funny Lord of the Rings TikToks. These questions are also from Discord. Nora asks, are you expecting your favorite hobbit to change as you get a different view of Bilbo? I don't even know if I have a favorite hobbit. I think my I think I've said my favorite hobbit is Bilbo cuz even just in those like brief interactions we had with him in Lord of the Rings, he's savage. I love him. So I'm really excited to see more of Bilbo. So I guess the answer to that question is I hope that reading the Hobbit doesn't ruin my love of Bilbo currently. Taylor asks, how would you react if Tom Bombadil showed up? Taylor, I would react like this. Oh my god! Oh my god! Tommy B, where you been? I definitely didn't just throw my voice out. I'm doing that. Should have recorded that at the end. 
The next question comes in through email. This is from Rebecca Duffy, and she asks, what characters do you most hope to see in The Hobbit? Do you think Bilbo will act like a Slytherin? Yeah, I think I've said before that Bil- that all of the, that is my headcanon, right? I don't remember all of my headcanons, but I think one of them is that all of the Hobbits, except for Bilbo, are Hufflepuffs and Bilbo is a Slytherin. So I'm sure we'll see some Slytherin ness from Bilbo. And then I mean like the the real answer to this question of who do I hope to see in the Hobbit is Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Faramir. I would die if Faramir showed up, but he hasn't been born yet. I don't even think he was technically born at the start of the events of Fellowship of the Ring. No, that's a lie. I think he was just a little, a, a wee little babe. Anyway, so like those, that's the real answer. I know none of those people are going to show up. If they do, I'll lose my mind. But I'm just excited to see Bilbo and Gandalf and meet some new friends, I guess. And I know there's, and I guess Gollum. We'll see him too. The next set of questions come from the Facebook group, which if you aren't a member of, you're missing out because we share a whole lot of memes. It's fun. It's a fun time in there. Danny asks, are you excited about starting The Hobbit and happy to be leaving Lord of the Rings for a bit? Yes to both. It's definitely bittersweet to be leaving Lord of the Rings, but I think that's natural considering I've been following this story for a year and a half of my life now, but I am kind of feeling, you know, I'm ready to to move on to a new a new chapter. Ha! A new, literally, oh, I'm amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited to start The Hobbit. Claire asks, how much involvement do you think the characters from The Fellowship are going to have in The Hobbit? I'm going to assume little to none, considering Frodo, Mary, Pippin, and Sam aren't born yet. Probably not Boromir either. I think Legolas is alive. It would be dope if we saw him. I guess Gimli is alive too. Is Aragorn alive? I'm assuming we don't see them. I guess we do see Gandalf though. I know we see Gandalf at some point. I don't exactly know what Gandalf's involvement is other than he shows up and tells Bilbo, hey, we're gonna go do something. I don't know what that thing is, but. Quinn asks, what level of heroism do you expect from the horses in The Hobbit? Do you think you'll get to meet any of Bill the Pony's forefathers? Oh man, I hope the horses, oh my gosh, you know what's so sad though? I just realized there will be no shadow facts. We won't have shadow facts in The Hobbit. I mean, I I would love and hope that we get to meet Bill the Pony's forefathers. And I hope that the horses, I hope there are some quality horses in the hub. Although if we're not, we're probably not going to Rohan and that's where all the horse people are at. So I also won't be surprised if there aren't heroic horses in the Hobbit. Adele asks, knowing that The Hobbit was written for kids, how do you think the tone slash content will be different from Lord of the Rings? I'm hoping it's a lot easier to consume. Like the amount of times that I would be reading a chapter in Lord of the Rings and... Tolkien would go off on, you know, two paragraphs of landscape description and my mind would drift and then it would come back like three pages later and I'm like, oh crap, I totally missed all of that. Or a character says something and it's just like Shakespearean and I'm like, yeah, that was really beautiful, but I have no idea what you said. So I'm really (laughs) hoping that because The Hobbit was written for kids that it reads more like a fun, I'm kind of thinking of it more in terms of Chronicles of Narnia type stories and that it'll just be like a fun, a fun tale, a fun romp without any evil rings or darkness or fathers setting their sons on fire is what I'm expecting. Laura asks, did movie Sam win your heart despite you finding book Sam mildly annoying? I would say yes. Yeah, I'm still, here's the, huh. <laughs> 
would say that in general, yes. There's definitely a lot of moments watching the movies where I'm like, oh my God, I hate this so much. But the way that they structured his plotline, especially in Return of the King, where you're just feeling way more sympathetic for Sam definitely won me over it because it's so much easier. It's so much easier to side with Sam when Gollum is actively pulling Sam and Frodo apart and you can see what's happening and you're just so frustrated because you're like, oh my God, Frodo, you're so dumb. Who are you going to trust, your gardener or this demon creature? So the movie's playing up a lot more of that emotional turmoil definitely helped to kind of win me over with Sam. The other thing is that movie Sam throws hands and book Sam is just like, oh, I don't want to kill him. And I'm like, no, Sam, do something. That's what was really frustrating reading the book a lot of times is there would be so many moments where I'm like, Sam, do something, just do anything. And then movie Sam does that. Whenever I was reading the book and I had those thoughts, that's when movie Sam, he was a lot more active. So yeah, it was a lot easier to watch movie Sam than it was to read about book Sam. Jason asks, how do you feel now that you've experienced all of the Lord of the Rings films and there's no more of that content to take M? On one hand, I feel kind of similar to how I would feel in in high school. I was very involved with theater. I did basically every theater production that we had going on in our school. And it does feel kind of similar to when we would finish, you know, the spring musical is done. No more musical. And you all of a sudden go from like, okay, these past three months I've spent dedicating literally all of my free time and energy into putting on this musical and learning lines and dances and staying after school for three hours and sometimes longer and hanging out with the same group of people for three months every day. And then all of a sudden you go to not doing that anymore. It's definitely very, it's very jarring. And you're like, what what happened to this thing that was a huge part of my life and is now no longer part of my life? However, I wouldn't, e- I wouldn't necessarily say that there's no more content for me to take in for Lord of the Rings because I haven't even touched any of the behind the scenes or or special effects, whatever, from the extended edition box set that I have. Y'all, each one of the movies has like four sets of commentaries. And that's not even including the two other discs of special behind the scenes stuff. So like, there's still a lot more for me to dive into. And I'm excited to do that in my free time and not have to cover that for the podcast. <laughs> That sounded really mean, but I'm excited to whenever I'm ready to feel like, oh, I want to learn more about Lord of the Rings or dive back into the world or or whatever. I'm going to pop in Fellowship of the Ring and listen to Peter Jackson talk about it for four hours, you know, whatever. Aaron asks, you said all along that Lord of the Rings was a strange fandom because people seem more drawn to the movies than the books. Now that you've experienced it all, why do you think that is? So I think I was, I think my understanding from the start, and it's totally true now that I've done it all, is that the movies are just so much more easy to consume than the books. Like I mentioned earlier, it's so easy to be reading the book and your mind wanders and three pages later, you don't know what's going on. It's also really hard to get into Fellowship of the Ring. Like it takes several chapters of dense exposition before you're finally like, okay, now we're, we're, we're going places. All right, this is fun. And then the other thing is that the movies paid such careful attention to the books 
that it feels like the books were done justice. I think it would be a totally different thing if the movies didn't pay as much care and attention to detail that they did. And even, you know, even though there were a lot of changes from the book to the movie, I pretty much for the most part, I understand why all those changes were made. And it makes sense. It's to keep the the narrative going and to keep the movie flowing so that you are a lot more excited and interested the whole time. And I mean, and, the, and then also, you know, there's just all-star production team all around from the actors. Well, for the most part, um, <laughs> for the most part, the actors are great. Uh, the score, oh, chef's kiss, the costuming and the props and the scenery. I mean, just again, like the, the attention to detail is so amazing. So yeah, it's just so much easier to get into the movies rather than being like, hi, eight-year-old child, instead of watching this movie that has a lot of fun hobbits and elves and wizards. Uh, why don't you read this book where it takes them a hundred pages for the for the plot to start? The next set of questions comes from Twitter. Meredith says, we know what your least favorite change from the book is, Faramir. What is your favorite change that the movies made? Okay, so favorite change. And I, of course, you know, I say this with a grain of salt that this was like literally the least amount of work they could do. But the fact that they elevated Arwen's and Eowyn's characters from the book to have much more of a presence in the movies is very much appreciated. For people who have not read the books, Arwen, (laughs) she is, I think she's in the chapter before the Council of Elrond. She and Aragorn like look at each other from across the room and that's it. And then the next time we see her is at the end of Return of the King. She shows up at Minas Tirith and Aragorn and her get married and that's it. That's all her presence is. And she she has like one conversation with Frodo afterwards. And that's it. And then Eowyn in Two Towers is left behind to watch over Edoras while everyone goes to battle at Helm's Deep. And so I do at least appreciate that they were like, hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should have a couple more of the women folk in this movie. It's still not great that, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to upgrade Arwen's character where she's dying for all of her screen presence. You know, that's not great. But at least, at least bare minimum effort. They are there more in the movies than they are in the book. Jeff asks, which role, if any, would you recast and with which? actor. Everyone's going to hate me. Um, I would recast Frodo. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Elijah Wood, if you're listening to this. It's not your fault. Maybe you would maybe you would do it differently now that it's 20 years later. You know who I want is Frodo? Jake Gyllenhaal. Because he was also and he was also kind of he was a young actor at the time, too. Right. Am I recasting it now? Or am I recasting it in late 90s, early 2000s? If it's the latter, Jake Gyllenhaal. And these last set of questions come from Instagram. Instagram user Tommy Tello asks, who do you think will die in The Hobbit? Um, I mean, kind of no one. <laughs> I was hoping it was all good. It was going to be happy, good times. But now I'm worried. Super awesome Jordan, aka Jordan Balky from Late to the Party asks, do you expect to like Bilbo as a protagonist more or less than Frodo? I feel like I'm going to like Bilbo a whole lot more because I think I'm going to be able to relate to Bilbo a whole lot more. Um, Again, this is all just purely based on like that first chapter in Fellowship of the Ring 
when he is just giving backhanded compliments to everyone at his party. And I think he's hilarious. And that dry sense of humor, I love it. So I'm really hoping I'm going to like Bilbo a whole lot more than Frodo. So in general, a whole lot of people asked, what do I think The Hobbit is about? Great question. I, yeah, see, I I truthfully don't know. And a part of me like doesn't even want to speculate because I just want to have fun and be surprised. I haven't even read the back cover of the book yet. So what I believe happens is that Gandalf shows up at Bilbo's house and says, I need you to go on this quest. Uh, maybe it's to find a treasure. I, I, It has something to do with a dragon because Benedict Cumberbatch comes in at some point as Smaug. Um, and I believe there are dwarves because a whole bunch of burly baritones on TikTok were doing the Misty Mountain song in the middle of the whole sea shanty craze. Um, so I believe there are dwarves. There's a dragon. So it sounds like for Gandalf, it's like you hobbit are gonna go find this treasure because i am lazy and i'm gonna sit here because he's still getting off the gray at this point too and he's gonna sit in the shire and get high at some point they stumble upon <laughs> at some point they stumble upon a demon creature named Gollum, and bilbo tricks him into stealing his ring kate p weldon asks why did you read the hobbit last and not first This is because I thought the movies were made in the order that the books were published. And I thought that it was kind of like a Star Wars situation. I know nothing about Star Wars as well. Also kind of like a, a, you know, Fantastic Beast situation where Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings. It was a great success. And then his publisher was like, hey, we're going to do one more thing. We want you to write a prequel. And he was like, okay, great. Also, I think that's how it would normally go because like, it's just so crazy when you look at, (laughs) you look at The Hobbit. That's the thing that came out first. And then his editor was like, hey, Jert, people really like this. Um, Do you have another story in your head by any chance set in this world? And Tolkien was like, I'm so glad you asked. And they just word vomited a thousand page epic tale about banding together to destroy evil and save humanity. <laughs> like that was the thing that came out afterwards. Anyway, another common question I'm getting is, do you think you'll like it? I think I'll like it. I'm definitely going in with the expectations of reading something more like a middle grade level book. I guess kind of similar to reading like a series of unfortunate events, which are some of my favorite books and I love them dearly. So I'm just excited to like sit down and have a nice little bedtime story. You know, I can't see people's names on the responses on Instagram. I can only see your username. C Burden asks, will it be hard to navigate trying to experience it on its own merits versus Lord of the Rings expectations? I think that'll definitely come into play of being like, well, in Lord of the Rings, this happened and it was better. But again, I think because I didn't enjoy reading, like, the actual act of reading Lord of the Rings that much. I think that's the only way I'll be, I'll compare it is by being like, oh my god, this is so much easier to read than Lord of the Rings. Carla M. Makeup, or maybe it's just Carla M. Makeup, I don't know, (laughs) asks, favorite scenes from each movie, including the extended editions. Okay. I really like the party scene in Fellowship, you know, before everything goes wrong. And then I also like the scene where, and not just because of this, but where they meet Strider. Um, we get that iconic entrance, but a lot of great moments come from that scene. And and that's also kind of like the part in the movie where it's like, okay, now we're rolling. Now we're going. I don't really remember much about the extended edition of Fellowship, unfortunately. Two Towers, favorite scene. It's got to be something with Treebeard, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> or uh oh wait no what are we uh aragorn pushing the doors open oh, so dramatic faramir my boy love to see the destruction of isengard that part of the movie oh that part of the movie is so great the way that like the music combines with the ints finally becoming active participants in this thing and like standing up against saruman and destroying isengard in the way that nature takes back over industrial and yeah that's pretty good that's a pretty good scene um and then of course you know that's all you know part of that scene is also underscored with with sam's you know hope speech yeah and then extended edition we get that scene at the end with mary and pippin finding saruman's storeroom with the barrels of longleaf and it's just great. Oh my God, it's just so funny. And then Treebeard peeks in and he's like, what are these hobbits up to? And then Return of the King, similarly, I don't know if it's actually my favorite scene. <laughs> I just love that scene at the beginning where Merry and Pippin are hanging out, they're smoking, they're drinking, they're eating, and everyone rolls up and Gimli is like, are you kidding me? We thought you were dead this whole time. And they're like, have some pork. The Rohirrim showing up at the Battle of Pelennor Fields a plus moment. I think that's way cooler than Gandalf showing up at Helm's Deep. And then I gotta give a special mention just because it has my people in it to the Houses of the Healing scene with Eowyn and Faramir holding hands and then they like cuddle up with each other. It's so sweet and I'm just happy. I'm not happy with how they got together, aka they essentially had no development and they were just thrown together, but it's still just so sweet to see my my babies be happy with each other. Ethan Smith 0330 asks, most disappointing scene that wasn't translated well from the books or was cut? Okay, aside from like the entirety of Faramir. <laughs> um, this is tricky because the way that they deal with Saruman in the book is also tied up with the scouring of the Shire. And I totally understand why they cut scouring of the Shire and it makes no narrative sense to have that at the end of your story. But the way that they wrapped up Saruman's story is kind of crazy because in the theatrical edition, he's not in it at all. You get the impression that he's just going to stay locked in his tower and Treebeard is going to guard him. Whoo! The extended edition is a wild ride as well. It's like very suddenly violent. So that was kind of, yeah. And then, oh my God, freaking the ints, literally like all of the ints, just it's such a shame that it was, it was chopped down so finely as it was in the movie, in Two Towers. It's just so sad. And then the fact that the Houses of the Healing was totally, again, I get why. I get why it happened because it interrupts the narrative flow of the movie. For them to like have the Houses of the Healing scene in the extended edition, but then not really full go, fully go into it. They're just like, Aragorn's gonna wipe Eowyn's forehead with some water and that heals her the end. Um, totally misses a huge point of, of what happens in the book. So yeah, I guess, I guess all of those things. Oh my God, Bill the Pony. I keep, I keep thinking of things. Bill the Pony, the fact that on their way home from their adventures, they find out that Bill the Pony made it safely back to Bree, where he kicked his abuser of an owner in the mouth. And then they take Bill the Pony with them back to the Shire. It's just chef's kiss. A plus. Love to see it and hate to miss it from the movies. 
Melian.Telperian, sure, asks, what two characters are you most sad they didn't include in the movies? I mean, Tom Bombadil. That one I'm not as bummed out about because I knew ahead of time that he wasn't going to be in it. Very, like, random side characters. Irith, who is one of the healer women in the Houses of the Healing, and she gives off a lot of the grandma from Mulan energy. She's just funny, and she just, like, talks a whole lot and gossips. And then Prince Imrahil is just... He was, he was just like so chill and he's just like, oh, hey, Aragorn, I know you're the heir of Isildur and, and that you are here to reclaim your throne to Gondor. And I, you know, I'm cool with that. Oh, okay, you want to wait until after the battle? Yeah, I'm cool with that too. A situation where like it could have been they could have been very competitive over each other or something like that, or Immerhill could have been really threatened by Aragorn's presence, but that didn't happen. He was just like, yeah, cool, you're here. All right, Gandalf, what should we do about this whole, you know, end of the world thing? And then this is going to be the last question that I ended on because it's a little too on the nose. Makoto.Carolyn asks, my question is, how long do you plan to stretch it out so you don't have to do the Silmarillion? (laughs) Am I that obvious? (laughs) Is it that obvious what I'm doing here? I'm not purposefully stretching anything out. If that's what I was doing, there would have been a lot of episodes in the beginning where I just would have done one chapter instead of two chapters. But I hope you guys know that whenever I do like a two-part episode, it's because... There was so much stuff in editing that I didn't want to cut out to get it down to a reasonable length of an episode, or I felt like I needed to do it justice by having it be two episodes. I hope I'm not giving the impression that I'm stretching anything out. I definitely am not super excited about the prospect of doing the Silmarillion. I did used to say, no, no way am I covering the Silmarillion. I am a lot more open to it now, but yeah, there is a general, I guess I'll, I'll, provide that here. There is kind of a general game plan. I'll do chapter by chapter coverage of The Hobbit. Then I will cover The Hobbit movies. I have no idea how long I'll cover The Hobbit movies. I thought I was going to be covering The Lord of the Rings movies for three months. I covered them for two months longer than I planned to initially. But also The Hobbit movies I know are not as beloved as The Lord of the Rings movies. So who knows? And then after that, there are a couple random things that I want to cover as well, such as the cartoon movies from from the 70s. There is a West End musical that I want to cover. There is a VeggieTales version of Lord of the Rings called Lord of the Beans that I want to cover, believe it or not. Um, So there are a couple like random things like that. And then we'll just see where we are because I think at that point, the Amazon Prime series will be out. Knock on wood that the Amazon Prime series comes out this year. I believe they were saying that they're planning to have it come out fall of 2021. That'll pretty much align with me finishing The Hobbit coverage. And then after the Amazon Prime series, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll do Twilight. I'm not going to do Twilight. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. If I didn't get to yours, thank you for submitting it anyway. As you can probably tell from the length of this episode, I got a lot of questions. There was a lot to talk about and I have a lot of feelings to sort through. On Tuesday, we start a new adventure. It's so exciting. I can't wait to do it. It's going to be a fun time. So please join me on this next part of the adventure. Thank you for being with me. If you've been with me this whole time through Lord of the Rings or if you just joined me recently, I'm happy to have you here wherever you came in. Um, And yeah, on Tuesday, we have the first chapter discussion of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Party. I guess that's where I, 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 I never know how to end these bonus episodes. So that's it. 
uh, the the road goes ever on and on and goodbye and all that such. <laughs>